On this episode, we talk with our good friend Tyler Hartford about faith and deconstruction. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads Podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel DeMott. Andrew Lehman. How are you? Uh, good. I mean, my Eagles won. Oh, right. uh, yeah. oh, I'm choosing. I'm choosing sides this time. Oh my. Andy, I'm hoping, Andy, these are fighting words for you. I'm, I'm hoping that the Chiefs win tonight. I mean, I, I yeah. Again, okay. we're recording this on Sunday evening, so oh boy, we'll find out here shortly. My kids been at my kids were at a youth group event, and uh, they were like a skating event. And Aaron said he was just going to keep his. Uh, his phone running in the game in the background like in his pocket so he could just have a live yeah like, could skate and get a live update yeah good we'll idea see. we'll see what plays out <laughs> so you're really going for the eagles i am i mean i chose that side this year because i lived in philadelphia for a year and i wanted to choose no, a that's team. a fair so that's I, fair I, you, I wanted, you have philly connections that's fair here's so, what i will say uh it just seems that you also are going to be sideways with the with a good portion of your family, and I hope you've kind and of the my cost. wife, yeah, namely your that, wife, so. <laughs> namely your wife. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Dudes and Dads podcast. Thanks for tuning into this uh, the polyphonic wizardry that you're going to experience. Wow, yeah, you, you heard <laughs> that's going on a shirt. By the way, I've been thinking of catchphrases. That's that's going that's going on there. Uh, super glad to have our guest along here tonight, and uh, we're going to be telling you all about him in a second. Uh, so, Andy, let's just let's just really catch up real quick because I want to know what's the status of your bathroom. Let's. Uh, I just need all, to paint the ceiling. We're good. That's it. Yeah. Are you are you pleased well, with where and, it's and at? put some put some like hooks and things back up? But yeah, gotcha. I'm, I'm very pleased. Very it, pleased. It better better than you were. Yeah, this uh, is. Oh yeah. You had oh, to yeah. move out of your house for a little while. Right. You wouldn't you wouldn't take the easy route like I suggested of just putting a porta john outside. No, no. You you just you you insisted on having running water in your bathroom. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Whatever. I get it. Uh, <laughs> so thanks, Joel. But it's all back together now. So yeah. We're so is. we're so happy for it you. It is. It is. That's so good. how about you? Is your bathroom running? Yeah, everything. Is, yes, everything is operating. Uh, I'm currently uh, we're heading into a week, Andy, where I am going to be single parenting it um, as my wife is at a trade show in Las Vegas. So Fun. hopefully I get my wife back and hopefully she shouldn't hit the slots too hard. And that's uh, that's my <laughs> number. My number two request, honey, if you're listening, go to bed. Uh, no, it's three hours earlier. She she's she's fine. She's fine. So, yeah. Well, hey, Andy, uh, do we do we have anybody that we're supposed to say uh, thank you to? Uh, not particularly. Not particularly. OK, well, just hey, listeners. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you all. Glad you're here. Um, hey, so tonight, Andy, shall I introduce our guest? Let's go bring him on. Let's just let's let's do it. And that's not even apologize for it. Uh, hey, our guest tonight is a friend of the show, longtime friend of both Andy and I, our friend Tyler Hartford. Uh, Tyler Hartford, he serves as the director of church leadership and communications at Ivana Network, a community of churches, educational institutions and mission organizations gathered around a common evangelical Anabaptist vision. If you're wondering what in the world is an evangelical Anabaptist? We have to be very careful. People think it's anti-Baptist. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not anti-Baptist. I mean, it might 
so for some people it might be, but it's not. It's an Anabaptist. <laughs> what? Somebody, I, early on, Andy, I got these questions like, why are you, why, why are you, you anti-Baptist? Baptist. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tyler and his wife, Janessa, have been married for 22 years. So they have, you got it, seven kiddos, seven kids. Uh, Tyler's a graduate of Hillsdale College where he studied theater rhetoric and persuasion. I mean, that's Se- sextiest degree I've ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's also a graduate of Weinbrenner Seminary, where he received a master's of divinity degree. Um, he has worked in multiple nonprofit sectors before coming to his current role, which uh, included serving as a lead pastor for over 14 years in a single congregation. So now his role with Ivana. But here's what I here's what I love about Tyler. Number one, he is he is just the dearest of all friends. I am so grateful to have him in my life. But apart from that, uh, Tyler's uh, church and faith experiences, as we'll find out, he's he's covered the gamut all over the place. All kinds of different experiences. I cannot wait to hear wild and crazy stuff, man. Um, but has served in, served in local congregations. Uh, has served at has had non ministry roles. Has had pastoral roles. And now um, serves a network of churches uh, in the kind of greater mid I guess greater midwestern region. So, um, so we're we're just gonna have a we're gonna have a talk because when I was thinking about this conversation, it's been a long term conversation about people. Uh, Andy, you've, you've intersected with them. I know I have, I, and definitely Tyler has, uh, people who grew up in faith communities, grew up with kind of, uh, kind of a traditional faith, uh, direction. And then, uh, something shifted significantly Mm -hmm. in their life, usually later on toward their adult years, began to question a lot of things. And then they start, we start hearing this kind of term about their deconstructing faith, going through deconstruction, deconstruction, deconstruction kind of becomes, has been this buzzword, this thing. And I looked at, I was thinking about Tyler and I said, you know, if anybody, if anybody has thought about deconstruction, it's him. So that's why he's on. We're going to have a talk tonight. I'm really excited about it. Are you, are you I, excited? I'm well? very excited. Actually, I, so. See, that's what well, I need. Welcome Tyler to the show. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Hi, Tyler. Yeah. Gosh. Thanks for having me on. Here's what's super fun is actually our, our studio right here. Tyler's actual office is just the next, uh, he's been so close yet so far away. His, uh, we're, we're usually here in the evenings. Tyler's here during the regular part of the day. And so like, I think last show we're like, we need to get Tyler on. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's been, been just right across the, right across the hall. Yeah. So, so welcome yeah. to the show. Hey, great to be here. So Tyler, let's, this is the first kind of the long answer question. Cause I, your, your church experiences and, and Tyler and I overlap a little bit in this kind of some of the background that we come from, but tell us about just kind of early faith experience for you, where your family comes from, what your early faith, you know, community exposures were, and then, um, like kind of the, the trajectory that that set you on early in life. Okay. Well, we'll just get into the ugly part first. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, sounds good. Why not? Well, actually, it it you can't have the sacred without the without the clay, right? There's the holy and and the earthy. Um, my kids joke that everything happened in my life when I was four. It's, it's, a, it's a family joke. It's oh yeah, that's when it, that's when you were four. Well, that's when I got my hearing aid to have profound hearing loss, and it also when my parents were separated. Mm. Um, I think any child that experiences divorce, um, when a mother and a father step apart, um, 
you know, a child is half mom, half dad. So like if mom and dad can't get along, a child remembers that very mm-hmm. distinctly. Like, can I even get along with myself? And so that, that's a kind of a living color time for me. And my mother's boss and his family took her in and really just ministered to her. Mm. Um, so as a four-year-old and, and with my mother set up in a new apartment, um, we began attending a, a local Baptist church. My mom had no faith background. And you're an only child, by I'm the way. I'm an only child. Yeah. Uh, we grew up in central Maine, so Bangor, Maine, um, uh, and kind of the last city before you get up into the North Maine woods. Um, my mom had no church background. Uh, my, both sets of grandparents were divorced. And um, just to make the story short, I mean, we both experienced Jesus uh, in mm-hmm. a powerful way. And um, as the Baptists like to do, they rope you in early. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was baptized at a very young age. Yep. Um, but at the same time, my father really wanted to uh, kind of see if this marriage could be rescued. Mm. Um, was convicted about some things as well. They, uh, the major part that made their marriage fall apart was uh, infertility and lots of trouble trying to have a child. Then they had me, and then there was just a lot of conflict mm-hmm. around uh, that and, and some other things. So my father then accepted Jesus as his Savior um, in the early 80s and, and, um, and at Christmas. Um, and uh, lots of amazing stories. Maybe sometime if I come back, I'll share a couple of those. But he he and my mom were reunited and, and in this Baptist church. Um, <clears throat> this was the largest church in New England at the time, led by Buddy Franklin, who was a former roommate of Jerry Falwell. He was so powerful that when Jerry was setting up his moral majority offices, uh, he told Jerry, don't do one in Maine. I'll just run it. Like mm-hmm. my church will be the center. Point. And so for context for, uh, for our younger listeners as well, see these names ring a bell with me right. when I was but, a younger kid, but this was a, the moral majority was a big time. It was, it was distinctly Republican, very, very conservative yeah. moral majority Christian right. led. Cause the whole idea was that in the eighties specifically right. that we were going to turn the country around by getting conservative Christian people elected right. into office. And so yeah. there was a network of pastors and po- politicians that were all working in this, in this direction. So this is kind of the, right. the political uh, religious soup that you're, you're in. Yeah, really in the, kind of in the infancy of it and, and buddy uh, in the middle of all of this. So I, I would have gone to the Christian school, started at kindergarten, repeated kindergarten from public to private. And then about second grade, um, he was going to run for governor. Um, yeah. And it came out in, in the press that, um, well, uh, he was accused in, in, uh, within the church by the music teacher that was my music teacher. Um, without getting into too many details, I mean, basically, you can imagine overnight, um, the school collapsed into uh, probably a third the size of it. So it there was, was a claim of infidelity mm-hmm. specifically. Right. Yeah, yep. there was. Uh, very credible yeah. and in a, in a real power struggle, like where he fought to, to keep leadership. Mm-hmm. It blew the church apart. Um, we had joined a church plant by one of his associates before this happened, but this was my life. Right? The whole school was uh, connected to it. And so very early on, uh, lots of good people hurt. And, and the family that led us to Christ um, walked out the door and, and as far as I know, never darkened the door of a church again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had grown up with their three boys. I was the same age as the middle one and they were just like family to me. Um, 
uh, this was such a big deal that um, People Magazine did a feature article on it. Um, 60 Minutes came and interviewed uh, congregation members and other former congregation wow. members. And um, uh, uh, Wallace, uh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, he came and yep. sat in our kitchen and interviewed my father and mother. I, I distinctly remember a strong smell of alcohol and cigarettes <laughs> and, and lots of cameras and lights in our yeah. kitchen. Yeah. And so it's it just burned into me, right? Another separation, right? yeah. another divorce. Um then uh, the school, the church that I went to, so that, that was split number one. Then the church that I went to, um, the associate pastor uh, was, was loved and had a real rapport with all the, the younger families and um, uh, walked out, uh, left the church, left, took all the young families. And um, uh, my parents taught me that staying is important. Um, and living through the difficult times is important, like they tried to do with their own marriage. And so I wound up being the only teenager in that church uh, my, my first year of junior high. Um, and that was pretty rough, but my, my pastor took me under his wing and he mentored me and we did lots of things together. Um, looking back at it, kind of the beginning of realizing that maybe I had a call to ministry. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, the, the pastor that left um, had an affair with uh, a woman that left with them and uh, that particular uh, church plant. The Baptists, sorry, Baptists that are listening, um, they uh, sometimes plant by splitting rather than intentionally planting. Yeah. yeah. Um, my church recovered, began growing again, um, and who was the only pastor that didn't have a moral failing. Um, however, I think he, he modeled a pastor that didn't have any patience. So mm-hmm. like you kind of displayed that lack of grace that you sometimes see, uh, yeah. just a real quick, uh, quick temper, particularly with service workers. Um, then my uh, college experience plugged into a uh, Baptist church out that way, and um, my pastor came out and told the pastor that he, I should fill the pulpit when he's gone. So here's a freshman in college mm. that would fill the pulpit from time to time with that church. Um, and they really have a great relationship. But then when I graduated that, that church also went through a very painful split. And in my home church, my pastor I grew up under left. Um, and I know this kind of feels like this long litany, but it's important, I think, because he left. And when they brought in a new candidate, that candidate was voted down by a whole family block that was led by the woman who led me to Christ. Mm. So there's a, so there's, you see this disconnect of like, here's this person that was a significant influence in your life, but you would see them also as creating this division within your faith community. Correct. And, uh, my father at the time was head elder in the church and had been told that, that he needed to find a pastor. He helped bring that candidate in. And so then with the elder board in, in private saying they had support in public, um, it was very divided. It came out that way. Um, again, I was aware, so I didn't know all the details, but I do know that there was high-fiving going on in the sanctuary while the candidate was still in the sanctuary. Oh, wow. um, and so that candidate then um, started a church in the area with the, the families that voted for him. <laughs> it's, um, not, it's not it, funny, but it, 
it is. I mean, well, it's sad. Yeah, and right? and and the thing is, is this is where my own family was involved in that. Um, kind of feeling like, no, the Lord has called this person to ministry, mm-hmm. but because it was a situation where they couldn't afford him full time anymore because it was a split, uh, he had to work in the local school. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened when he was working in the local school? Oh no. He had an emotional affair with another woman that was working in the school. Um, At the same time, the pastor that the other church, my home church brought in, uh, within just a few years, uh, managed to get the parsonage in his name. And on Christmas Eve, they discover he had absconded with a bunch of their cash and was living in the parsonage next to the church in his name. And... uh, Far as I know, he may still be living there oh, today. Oh, wow! Wow! Um, so basically, basically stole stole from the church. Stole from right. the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so in my twenties, uh, here, like I'm landing in Toledo, Ohio, and uh, working for the Toledo Symphony at the time, and just running into all these really beautiful people, you know, the artistic world, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I am all kinds of crazy things I never expected. You know, 20 plus years ago, my supervisor was a, was a transgender who was going through a sex change operation. Like, like stuff a boy from central Maine just sure, like right. never expected. Right. right. But, you know, beautiful people. Yeah. And I was just done. And we were at a Baptist church there. And uh, when, when the guy told me that I needed to tell my wife to get baptized the, the real way, <laughs> instead of being poured on, you just tell her what to do. Uh, I said, so what part does personal choice have in all of this? <laughs> but which, by the way, Baptist, I mean, this is the, this is the whole thing about, right. Our, our general Baptist Anabaptist theology is that it is a believer's bat. Like it is right. the, the, a high value of a personal it's, choice. Right. right. Choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Methods may be debated, <laughs> you know, dunk three times in the name of the Trinity sure. or whatever. Yeah. Forwards, but, backwards. But we we're just done. I was just done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. done. Absolutely done. Um, and maybe as a, a note to it, I was just uh, really thankful that we did um, after a number of months um, found myself in a, in a little Mennonite church in, in Toledo and, and experienced grace. And they kind of just loved me through my questions. Yeah. Um, and um, around the same time, I saw my father dying, my, my father-in-law dying of cancer mm-hmm. and got to witness um, a pastor ministering to him in a way that I'd never seen before. And I was married to a woman who had not experienced kind of that level of dysfunction mm-hmm. within the church. Yeah. So, um, I just, I just, uh, I think what I might do is just leave it to you to ask the next yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I tried to count up how many splits. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel each one of them very deeply. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't say it lightly that like I have no rose colored glasses mm-hmm. about the bride of Christ. But yeah. That is the bride of Christ. Yeah, well, you know, Luther, uh, the, that classic line, you know, the, the, you know, the church is my mother, but she's also a whore, and you know, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, there is no plan B. Yeah, and as our friend Timothy David Miller says, the bride of Christ grows more beautiful every day, in spite of our, gosh, in spite of our. And I want to, and I, I absolutely want to believe that, and I think that to be true if you have a global perspective on the church. That's uh, exactly right. It's probably That's the exactly important right. thing to say. Yeah. So, 
you know, Tyler, you hear this story again and again, like for you growing up in your formative years, because all of us, Andy, you know, you, myself, we, we, we know as we're raising our kids, all these things are happening during your formative years where, where most kids are, you know, young people are forming the, the very the foundation of their faith. And most of that's happening through the relationships they're having in faith community. And all these relationships that you're having are they're together and they're broken, 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 broken split, broken, split, split, split. Right. And eventually, aren't you just tempted to say, I think this whole Christianity thing for, for everything that's been promised to me and proclaimed to me and, you know, this, that and the other. Right. Are you tempted to say, I don't think these people believe this at all. And maybe even worse, maybe this whole thing is just a joke. Like maybe there's just, this is just sort of a kind of a, you know, for lack of a better term, just another organization that is um, wielding power and influence for its own purposes. And do they even really believe what they say they believe? I mean, are those thoughts that go through your, through your mind? Uh, I've learned, you know, humans, human institutions will just always fail you. Mm. Um, you lean on them, sometimes they break, and those points just go right into your side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know Jesus, that, that was his experience, right? He he prayed the word of the psalmist that says, you know, behold, my friend who broke bread with me has now lifted up his heel against mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I was in this weird dynamic tension, right? There's all this conflict, but then since my family wasn't from a, a robust Christian environment, my father did have Catholic background. Um, I would come home from the Christian school every day and um, like tell them what I learned. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. my household, uh, the, the roles were almost reversed. Interesting. Um, yeah. They would say, what did you learn? And I would share from chapel or, or Bible. Uh, the other thing that happened is in that brokenness, we saw amazing things happen too. Uh, a local Pentecostal school shut down and all these students in one year landed in a cessationist <laughs> school that didn't believe wow. you yeah. know, that the Holy Spirit spoke and you know, made people speak in tongues sure. and suddenly had kids in chapel. Like, <laughs> Acting <laughs> a little know? bit out of order, a, right. little, a little bit out of the, out of the norm. So, so we had these like out of ashes beauty. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I think another thing that the fundamentalist perspective did give to me that I've never given up is that there is this sense that the word is, is trustworthy and true. Uh, I've abandoned the word like inerrant because in reality, that's only built on the King James argument. If people really want to use it, they'll say inerrant in autographs, uh, original autographs, and then they'll say the King James is the, the God-inspired version. Uh, which I would always say, well, then what do the Spanish speaking and German speaking and other people <laughs> right. use? But yeah. anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, the There's such a high value on the word, which actually I found I could use in context against them mm-hmm. as well. Like I was the one that was kind of annoying in Sunday school class because I'd be like, well, the Bible actually says, you know, this. Right. Right. And and so even though it's a very deeply human document with whole sections where they say, the original meaning is not certain. Yeah. Um, that actually makes me trust it more. It's very, mm. it's it just been handled for 2,000, 4,000 years, you know. So is there, because you touched on this, and, and this is, this I come from a background, so my, my dad was, was saved into a King James only um, church. He became a believer in his earlier 20s. Um, 
KJV only, and he didn't. That really got. Me- it's when he went to seminary actually where that all got messed right. up for oh, him, right? Sure. In, sure. in a in a Baptist in a Baptist evangelical right. Baptist right. seminary, but at the same time, it got really messed up for him. My mom grew up in an independent fundamental Bible church, um, where again, to your point, high value of of scripture, high value of the word, but there's something else in the midst of that. There's a posture of heart and a and this is what I wonder when we're talking about deconstruction, there is a, a concrete certainty with which everything is, right. is stated and that within right. kind of in the fundamentalist ideal, right? Right. There's, there's a, there's an uncomfortableness with uh, ambiguity. There are things where if you pull one plank out, if that is negotiable, then the whole platform you're standing on can be quicksand. Yeah. Right? Like, like we all want certainty and it's just so much easier to have just this simple belief, this simple truth, and just know that God said it, I believe it, right. it's done. But that's really not how scripture is written in most cases, right? It's poetry, right. it's narrative work, it's all these. But um, I think that we need to come to terms with the, uh, the ability to say, you know, life is messy, faith is messy. Mm. Um, and... Um, this certainty is in some ways a lack of intellectual and faithful rigor. Mm. Um, uh, I think coming to the faith out of a non-Christian or not very formed background, um, I had to wrestle with it even at a young age to own it. But then a lot of people have been born into it. It's what they've known. It's the faith of their fathers and mothers. Yeah. And so all of us at some point, to borrow the famous words of the great theologians, tears for fears, <laughs> it's uh, break it down again, right? Like we, yeah. we, we, at some point, every one of us is going to have a crisis of faith, a dark night of the soul, and cheap, simple platitudes will just never cut it. Um, I, I think I, I think one of the things that always fascinated me is when I heard the story about um, uh, uh, Mother Teresa's diaries being read after she died. Yeah, where she's like, I haven't seen or heard from the Lord in decades. Yeah, right. Like, and people like, see, you know, what a you know hypocrite. What a. But Saint John of the Cross says that's the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Right. Like that's when we look deep into the heart of man and realize our brokenness. Right. And and we'll cry out for a savior. We got to be okay with that. I'm, you know, and I just think of I think of people who are near and dear to me who lived, you know, maybe their younger years or lived up to a certain to a certain point in life. With, with what seemed to me like this rock solid, unshakable faith, like, mm-hmm. like they were just this right. consistent, like man of all people, you know, I know, I know I can always look to them and say like, man, they're always, they're always going to, you know, be holding, holding fast. And then something happens, something, something yeah. happens. I, and I wonder Tyler, you know, from, from your experience, um, cause I look to your experience and I go, I go, man, if anybody mm-hmm. had the opportunity to, again, just to say, I really question the validity of this whole Christianity thing. I mean, you were offered multiple opportunities, right. I think, right. to uh, think to go there. But you you chose by by God's grace and by a number of other things right. to go a different direction. 
what was different? What's been different well, for you? I, I think, yeah. Joel, too, mm-hmm. go, to go back to you, you know what you were saying is not only have we seen lots of people that we know personally yeah. have to kind of this whatever, but we've seen lately a lot of people that we grew up with in, in the faith, you know, musicians and speakers and yeah, leaders who have turned and, really said, point. Yep. and said, you know, I don't believe anything that I used to believe. So, and, they, and it was even harder because they were so public. Right. They right? were so public with what such they believe. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we see them saying, I don't believe anything what I believe to believe. Well, uh, you know, again, that's just a big topic because we, we don't know what all factors are at play. Are we dealing with internal factors where someone's wrestling with their sexuality? Are we dealing with external factors where there's been spiritual abuse or physical or mm-hmm. sexual abuse, financial misconduct? I mean, there's any number of things that can happen to somebody that make them say, I'm done with the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I said this at a retreat this weekend and I got a lot of laughs and I didn't really realize that people <laughs> mm-hmm. thought that I didn't uh, like, you I really weren't trying to be I funny. Oh, yeah. Like no. I wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah. Um, even my wife maybe was just a little embarrassed, but I guess I'm going to try it out on you guys. Like, like, <laughs> this is what, I, this is where here, this is the uh, kind of here we show go. where this you is, get to, oh, yeah, 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 there we go. You get, to uh, you get to experiment. Uh, someone said, well, um, you know, I don't know if I want to sign a covenant, right? Because that means, you know, it's kind of this, you know, it's a, it's a legalistic, you know, black and white thing. Gotcha. And, and someone said, well, I only said my vows to my wife once. And like, I don't have to repeat them every year. You don't have to re-up my covenant to my wife every year. And I looked at him and said, well, I, I, uh, I renew my vows every day. Oh, mm. come on now. Well, I mean, that's the relationship right. too with the church, right? Like the, the, the bride of Christ, uh, members of the church at some point have to come to the point where they say, you know what? I wake up every day and I choose to follow Jesus. Mm. And I'm on a journey with other people and other people are messy. I am not saying stay connected to an environment that shields sex offenders. I am not saying gloss over financial misconduct. But what I am saying is for us to just go at it alone and say that we don't need community anymore and say that maybe we do believe at least in God or Jesus, like there comes a point where you have to just say there is no plan B. I'm going to go this direction. And, And trust me. Now that I'm over like multiple churches in different settings, yeah. it, it's, you want to say, oh, here's this God's eye view that kind of gives you like a great picture of everything being so hunky dory. But no, what gets to me, what comes to me yeah. is usually just what makes me want to walk away at yeah. times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the ways that people treat pastors. We see so much in this culture of the big pastors that fail. Oh, yeah. But you know, ninety percent of pastors are out there slogging away, and yeah, doing and, the hard and work. The things that people are saying yep. and doing to them are just not right. You would never do that in a place of business, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're treated even yeah. They're as a dedicated professional, they are treated in a way that would never be permissible in any right. other in right. any other setting. And they're expected to do it for less with less benefits and because to, and they're to take it and just yeah. to take anyway, it. Anyway, we digress. Yes, sorry. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think we all need rose-colored glasses. I, I, I don't need rose-colored glasses. Uh, let's le- let's lean into the the deconstruction thing. Yeah, like um, you know, does it resonate with me? Well, yeah, I think uh, so. At, at some point. If there's been this big and and from from our background, um, evangelicalism, but fundament fundamentalist evangelicalism, right. there's this big big superstructure that ex- that exists right. of all these doctrinal points and all these things that that build on like mm-hmm. like I'm you know for instance, and I'm not a reformed Christian, but like if you're 
if you're in a reformed Baptist or which is right. many of the case, you know, it's, it's one layer built upon right. another. It's this whole structure right. built on another of, of theological presupposition after one after another. Right. And because you mentioned it's kind of, it is kind of this house of cards thing that happens. And if you question one thing, all the other stuff can feel like it's it, like it's teetering and, and, right. and it's, it's going to collapse. And then if it does collapse, what, what do you do? What, what's, right. what's left? The answer for many has been, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start all over again. Like right. I, I'm just, right. I'm going to, I'm going to take everything off the table. And, and we have a, an issue like in Western Christianity where you almost have this Baskin Robbins kind of approach mm-hmm. to uh, like evangelicalism. Am I, am I reacting to reformed, like total de- depravity Christianity? That's, that's the, the Calvinist approach where, where maybe they're even okay with going out for a beer and a cigar and such. And then you're over at the other end where extreme charismatic, where like you're not a believer unless you've been um, poured out on by the spirit and speaking tongues. So so like, again, evangelicalism as a monolith, Yeah. uh, really when you get down into the ranks, if you react to one, I'm watching, I'm watching a dear young man that that has had a profound influence on my children's lives. Uh, um, he, he's, he's left behind an apostolic Pentecostal stream. Sure. They had a high value on ways of dressing and behaving. And, and, and I'm watching him play out that deconstruction in reaction to that experience. Right. And what you're saying, and, and I would agree is a lot of people then kind of react against the whole stream of evangelicalism and they move into either a kind of a general deism, a belief in God, or maybe an agnosticism, or maybe they'll move into an extreme form of uh, pro- progressivism uh, that, that sometimes even looks more like universalist, right? Mm-hmm. Because God is, is pure love and there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no eternal punishment, that kind of stuff. So, so uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things that have helped me with this. And one is having the opportunity to sit at the feet of global Christians, where, where when you have persecution from the outside and this kind of refining that happens. Um, you may have different denominations, but they work really closely together. And and you really have no social advantage to being a Christian. Yeah. In those there's, there's nothing to yep. be gained right. in the Indian culture or or other cultures that I've been in, uh, Mongolian, um, there's just different places where like you gain nothing by being a Christ follower except that that you have a savior and you have right. a group and a community that you can go through suffering together. Right. Right. Yep. I also think that in Western Christianity, we are reacting again in a way that says, I believe that God and Satan um, get blamed for a heck of a lot of things that human beings do. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, so like, like, are we really reacting against um, God and faith or are we reacting against kind of a broken model of Christianity mm. in the Western world? Yep. Right. So it's, 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 I'm trying to narrow it down. We're heading a direction here, but, but what are they actually reacting against? And so when you have a Christian artist or a top leader that is failing, are they reacting to a true faith or are they reacting to some kind of construct that's been created in Western? Well, then you have to look to it at the people who are, who looked up to those people growing up and are now questioning their faith because you know mm-hmm. the leader i looked up to can't believe so maybe i can't either so you have those people on right. that end that you're you know you're right. looking up to 
the people wasn't necessarily that you know that God failed them, right? But somebody that they were looking up to had failed, had failed, right? And and chose to walk away. But what you find out is, and this is this is a thing I fear, <laughs> quite honestly. You begin to find out that actually your faith and your trust was actually in a per like was in, in a, the was person, in a human, right. was in a right. human being, right. right? And by the way, all the structures that you were surrounded with did nothing but to a okay that. Like to, to, to reinforce that or to give that a positive thing as opposed to saying, you know, and hopefully, you know, Tyler, the, well, and Andy as well, like the community that the communities that we're in allegedly, allegedly, we, we say that we value uh, mutual accountability amongst all of us, right. that, that, that no one is greater than another. It's just that we have different gifts that right. we're all, we're ministering, we're co-ministering together right. in community. Right. But it's like, Hey, your title of senior pastor doesn't doesn't um identify you as some sort of spiritual superhero right over and against right. the person sitting in the pew and one thing working uh in that favor is uh there actually isn't even an advantage for me now to say that i'm a pastor yeah mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah you know, like right. I, I saw a stream oh yeah just the other day someone said so what do you think the hottest uh, part of hell is reserved for, and someone said a mega church pastor, <laughs> and then oh, then the dog piling became. Oh, I'm right? sure. Like there's I'm no, sure. like there is in some respect our culture a, a kind of a a devaluing of authority just to begin with. Well, and I I even so. wondered myself recently, you know, when I was applying for a a, a secular non for profit job, which which mm-hmm. I'm in now. You know, my resume had pastor just emblazoned all over it. I mean, right. That's what I've done for the last seventeen right. years. And it was the first time, I mean, I had this interesting feeling of the first time where it's like, uh, this, this history, this role, what I have done Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't carry with it an inherent value outside of the context that I, that I've been in. Like, that's kind of a humble, I mean, number one is a humbling thing, but I think it's actually, it's much more, it's much more the posture in which we should walk. And, and and I think maybe the pendulum is swinging a little bit there in that Mm -hmm. direction. The other thing that you said, Tyler, though, that I want to point out are second and third world Christians deconstructing faith. I I don't know enough about that. I mean, I I just, I just wonder, and I'm kind of, it's a little, uh, the people that I know, Tyler, the people that I know that are, are primarily white evangelicals middle upper and middle upper class but i'm wondering too joel if that's because i think as church in america we have less reliance necessarily on god and by that i mean like yeah we're you know we're not necessarily relying on him on, our, on him for our job we don't see right. we're not we're not seeing a lot of times whereas these everyday little things are faith like you know we're you know, the church in, you know, different places outside of the U S they're relying, I think more on God and, and praying to God to for survival. Right. Where we're not necessarily doing that. Right. And so maybe that's where they're not necessarily and that's deconstructing as a hundred percent. The growing yeah. church in America is actually taking place within African American and Latino groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't remember if it was Pew or Gallup, but one of the things that people aren't talking much about is actually one of the fastest sections of the evangelical church to grow is in the black African-American mm. community. Yeah. Um, now, again, that is a different definition of evangelicalism. One of the things that bothers me is that evangelicalism from a global perspective is a beautiful thing. Right? Yeah. It, 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 uh, Bebbington's quadrilateral, right? Yeah. Like it, there's, there's this idea that there's the high value on the cross and there's this 
this uh, expectation, actually the fourth point of Bevington's quadrilateral is that you will act in social justice, which yeah. is an inflammatory word for American <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, evangelicals. But right. the reality is being also needs to be connected to doing. Yeah. Um, so in the, in, the, in the global world, what I've experienced is an extreme reliance on the Lord for daily provisions, for protection, uh, and for strength and suffering. Um, mm. And so maybe some of this too that we're dealing with, um, and again, please hear me, if you are a survivor of spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, uh, infidelity of any kind from leadership, like you have the right to be upset and yeah. to not be able to trust well. And you've used the term spiritual abuse. I just think for our listeners, because that can mean a lot of different things to people, what what comes to your mind? Like, how would you define that that experience? Well, I think the simplest way is to simply say, like, um, I think that it's a power over. Well, you mm-hmm. kind of get this mm-hmm. sense that, like, we all know that we do things that are wrong, right? We all do things yeah. that are wrong. But it's when somebody who is in power over you then comes and shames you trying to get you back into the kingdom or to behave a certain way through shame instead mm-hmm. of love. And sometimes leveraging like eternal consequence for that, sure, right? Like sure. when there's eternal, yeah. I think that's a, that's a scary power to have, right? When, right. when you're, when you're saying do this or, or you're going to be, uh, bur- you're going right. yeah. right. to burn, right? You know, uh, one of my friends in high school, uh, and it's, you know, he, his, his girlfriend got pregnant out of wedlock and, um, someone slid the birth announcement under the door of the administration and um, that didn't go well, yeah. you know? And I always yeah. thought to myself, you know, I think the Christian response to that should have been, what can we do to position this couple for the greatest success? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, instead, so, of, instead of shame, yeah. shame, guilt, and, right. and kind of a power play. Thing. So, so these experiences for me have given me a real high sense of justice. Like I, I have no tolerance for uh, like sexual abuse within the church. Like that's um, that's something that like ninety percent of the time, any kind of victim that comes forward, there's nothing to be gained by coming forward, and we just know yeah, that right. it's it's probably true to right. some degree. Right. So it's it's interesting to me that 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 Baptist side of me that's very black and white kind of rears its head in those moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the other side of it though, is just to come open handed and recognize that the Lord is the judge, not me. And, uh, that means I can still recognize evil. I can still recognize, um, wrongdoing. Um, but, but it's not really, uh, up to me to, to kind of bring that home. So I, I want to talk about, and this is a thing I think all of us with, with kiddos, I mean, let me see, Tyler, your eldest is a freshman in college. Uh, the twins are. Or ten, ten, nine, no, nine, about ten. So yeah, uh, two girls, three boys, and and two girls. So you got sure. the whole, you got a whole wide, all over there. Yeah, all yeah. wide age yeah. range. Andy and I, you know, kind of similar mm-hmm. similar areas. It, Andy's eldest is just uh, passed his driving test. Just by the way. at a boy, yeah, if, Micah. If listeners want to watch a fun <laughs> time, let, let the Hartford kids get together with the layman and the oh, oh, oh boy, oh, they, they have uh, in our church gathering, the big gatherings. We call them like uh, the roving feral herd yeah, of kids. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like feral animals. That's right. Yeah. Um, Tyler, as you think about your kids sure. and their faith formation. Right. Moving forward as as a father and as a and as a leader, um, knowing that you know, um, and and a, just 
for the viewers, the listeners, uh, reference Tyler's eldest daughter, Cadence. I mean, she's, uh, she's, she's in college studying to be a nurse right now, um, at Bethel university and already like Tyler and Janessa have raised thinkers. They've raised, and it's very clear to me, like critical thinkers, mm-hmm. which, which can be, can be danger, can feel dangerous, <laughs> right? It can feel dangerous because they ask all the hard questions. Right, well, yeah. Cadence, Cadence actually just told us that she told her, her nursing dean that she was bored in chemistry class. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> don't, no, say, no, just, don't say that. But I mean, do they don't mince words. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. so, but like, as you think about your kids and you think about like, the day that they might need to like to feel like they need sure. to deconstruct sure. or whatever it is, or, or have a, <clears throat> what would be your hope um, in terms of how they would go about that? Uh-huh. Um, the, maybe the questions that they would ask or the general posture that they would take in right. that, in that process. Cause as we said, we're not demonizing. Like I I've heard plenty of conservative evangelicals, like, like deconstruction is, no. is this like, is this like four letter word? I think kind everybody needs to deconstruct yeah. to some level. You have to, at some point own the faith for yourself. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah. I mean, if you dig in and try to figure out why, you believe what you believe because I think a lot of us were raised in, you know, not, not everyone, I can't speak for him, but like, you know, us at least were, you know, raised in the church. And I think at some point you have to make that faith your own, not your parents. Cause if you yeah. don't, I think that's when you're going to lose it and go, I don't really believe in anything because it's right. not really my own faith. And, and when you sit and make that your own faith, I think that's, right. that's where, yeah, it, right. it strengthens it. So, so I guess uh, I needed to make a point earlier that um, I dropped. Um, I am so thankful that I went through my wrestling. So, like, I remember accepting Christ, you know, as a young child. When I was 12, I spent many nights um, crying, kind of this deep uh, existential despair, you know, uh, that every teenager goes through mm-hmm. at some level. And then in my 20s, um, but, you know, social media didn't exist at that time. And that's a point I wanted to make. You guys talk about technology and its role on, on people's brains and, and relationship. Um, you know, there, there is something to be said about, and, and please hear me, if you're deconstructing right now and you're posting your journey online, um, just, just be aware that there's a dopamine hit that comes from getting a like on that post mm-hmm. and, and a large number of people saying, yes, that's where I'm at. And you feel like you've built a community. But in the long run, a lot of times that community is not concerned about your end goal and mm-hmm. where you're going. They're yeah. saying, I'm there with you. Yeah. And and I'm thankful that I don't have this like like these markers where I put down a stake on social media that I believe this certain way and these people are all bleeps. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh and then like I have no way to take it back. Right. <laughs> like so right. Like, to some extent, I think deconstruction uh, at a at a at a healthy level needs to take place within a group of of caring, uh, understanding friends who may not be where you're at, or maybe already walked away from the faith. But when you're when you're doing that on social media and, and publicly, um, you know, um, maybe I'll end it with. In seminary, they teach you that human sexuality is the same side, it's a different side of the same coin as intimacy with the Lord. And so I don't go around explaining all the intimate moments that I go through mm-hmm. with my wife. Thank you. Uh, good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> Janessa is going, praise be to God. Although she wouldn't put it past me in some cases. But then the other side is like, so, but your, your intimacy with the Lord, like there are things that the Holy Spirit says mm-hmm. to me that I'm not going to share with just anybody. Sure. 
you know there's right. there's an intimacy in that relationship and that's that's kind of how we've tried you know um you know model with the kids i talked to my wife before i came here i said now honey you know do we have any secret sauce or anything with mm-hmm. raising the kids yeah like seven kids you know it just managed chaos let's yeah. just admit it right like <laughs> it's hurting cats half the time <laughs> a week will go by and you're like Hey, you know what? Everyone's clothed and fed. Uh, we didn't go to the ER. Hey, we're good. A we, yeah, that's a win. We are winning. <laughs> winning. Yeah. So there are two foundational verses that have really hit me as a believer, and this is what I've tried to do with my kids. Uh, in in Mark nine twenty four, you got the story of the father whose son keeps throwing himself in the fire. Yeah. Like we have parents that may listen. They have children that are uh, um, maybe. Uh, physical disabilities, mental disabilities, relational disabilities. I mean, there's just stuff that they just need healing for. Uh, some parents are just scrambling for help. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just have prayer, prayed so much. Like, Lord, uh, I believe. Help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just a cornerstone to my faith, and my kids kind of know it. Like, yep. it's yeah. just like there are areas we believe and areas we don't believe, and we're really working hard for the Lord to give us some answers. Mm-hmm. The other one is from John 6, 28 through 29, where the disciples say, what do we do to do the work that the Lord requires? And Jesus responds, the work of God is this, believe in the one whom he's sent. Mm-hmm. And it feels like when we kind of like put that block in place, a lot of other things fall into yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, belief leads to doing and doing leads to belief, and we just keep building on that. Um, so I'm just really thankful that I didn't have social media kind of like marking mm-hmm. the moment yeah. that I, you know, ranted and raved against the things that were very real. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, other things with my kids, uh, I, I just actually said something online tonight to a friend. I said, I'm actually kind of glad I may underparent than overparent. Like... <laughs> I know what underparent looks like, and those are the ones that are running around like making snow angels and flower on the aisle of the grocery <laughs> store. But, um, or, or one child I remember seeing of another family that climbed into the yogurt section of the cooler, shut the door, and started eating yogurt. Oh my! But you know what I mean is like I don't ever want to be that attack helicopter parent. Yep. Mm-hmm. who also then behaves the same way towards their children, where they're not allowed to ask a question. Yeah. Um, granted, you know, in my home, there are times when you kind of have to be a military commander with seven kids. Like you can't just let everybody do their thing. Um, but I've really tried to, uh, kind of be a little more open handed, allow them to ask questions. I was in an environment, didn't allow a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I've tried to shield them from the, the details of bad things in the church but I've always been very open about what we're going through. Yeah. Uh, Cadence, my oldest, is studying to be a nurse, but wants to be in medical missions, and and my next daughter wants to be in full time ministry. Mm. And and to me, like I've not hidden the good, bad, and the ugly from them. Um. You know, I've been very open about my doubts, yeah. and my fears, and my frustrations, and um, still tried to love people through them. Yeah, um, my last pastoral assignment was absolutely amazing. Wonderful people. Still love my peeps at Pleasant View, uh, but you know, people say stupid things and yeah. do mm-hmm. really hurtful things to you, and they never, they don't even realize it. Yeah, uh, or if they don't, if they can't get to you, they'll they'll do it to your kids. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet, overall, I've heard way worse horror stories. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Um, 
uh, maybe another like concrete example would be um, I love the arts. My background is theater and art, and I love music. And I remember when I was in the Christian school, they showed these movies called uh, Hell's Bells. And if you listen to rock and roll, oh, yeah, you're going yeah. to hell. And, yeah. and everything played backwards is Satan yeah. worship. You're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody like dies young, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, to tell that to the Rolling Stones. But yeah. um, <laughs> I remember sitting there with my friends going, holy cow what is this yeah. like how can i listen to more of it you know like it it's like it's like uh adam and eve right like like you fence off the tree and suddenly like they i want, want that more tree all yes. the fruit around me but yeah. i want it from that tree yeah um so we just we just listen to a lot of different styles of music um and we talk about it i enjoy the creativity let's be honest uh some non-believing musicians and songwriters uh, actually may be better yeah. theologians than yeah. some of the mm-hmm. current praise music we listen to. Yeah. 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 But, um, maybe one more story. Sure, We absolutely. always ask all kinds of like crazy questions about the Bible. Like, you know, the Bible is pretty R-rated. Yeah, right. I remember, I remember when my grade school daughter, the oldest one, was reading through the Bible. And we said, uh, oh my goodness, you're reading through the Bible. And she goes, yeah, I'm already to like halfway through the Old Testament. And we're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what I have you? an illustrated Genesis and it says it's like rated R, right? <laughs> Every verse is illustrated. Right. And my daughter and I, Cadence, just goes out to you. We we're going to write a book about all the really weird stories of the Bible. <laughs> but if you ever want to read it, somebody's already written it. His name is Luke Harrington. And it's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem. <laughs> and uh, it's just a great book about the Bible. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think there's, uh, and I've seen this, I've seen this in, in your guys' family, Tyler, and, and I, I really think having open, honest conversations, the de- deconstruction goes wrong when things are kept in the dark. Mm-hmm. When, when things yeah. are, are too risky to talk right. about when right. that was, or when, or when mom and dad are too, where they haven't worked through their own stuff and they're too right. uncomfortable to, to discuss. So, so today, Julie, uh, gave the sermon here, here at Clinton frame and it was on intergenerational relationships. And yes. I think that that goes, speaks to this too, because mm-hmm. I think that can really help if you're having an inter like intergenerational relationship, because not only are you able to speak to people that are younger than you, but then you can have people who have had way more life experience right. speak into your life too. And, and especially if they're willing to be open and honest, being like, yo, I had a really terrible time in you know my faith and I had to step back and stuff. And then you can talk with them about that. And before you're experiencing it yourself, I think that's, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think of Andy, I think of people here at this, at this church here at Clinton frame who, who are, who've been walking with Jesus a lot longer than I have and who have gone through an immense amount of suffering and pain and things like that. And they're still following mm-hmm. after. And I'll be honest, there is nothing like talking with them about mm-hmm. their, about their faith. Um, when you are having a little bit of, you're feeling a little bit sideways spiritually, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. because you're like the, pers- the, that, the perspective that it, right. that, it that it brings. Right. And, and that's why you just, I, I, I want to say for anybody who's, who's struggling with faith right now or struggling with what they believe, um, that is not a battle for you to fight alone. Like that isn't, that is not right. something right. for talk, you to, yeah. yeah to, that's something to work out. For. And by the way, I would, I would say talk to somebody because here's the thing. When I, I know when I'm in a, <laughs> when I've been in a bad place spiritually and I am like about ready to write 
write the church off or whatever, whatever it has been or whatever. There are certain people that I know that if I talk to them, they are, they are going to lovingly like slap me upside the head and they're going to say, okay, let's get, okay, let's take, let's take an honest, unbiased look at this whole thing. Right. Right. And then there are other people that I know I could go to who will just cheer me on in the direction that I'm, that I'm heading. Right. So a little bit of it has to do with some intellectual honesty on our, on our part about who is it? Who is it that we're surrounding ourselves with or what direction are we actually wanting to go? If you want to be an honest deconstructionist and just go where the go where the facts lead or whatever, let me let me invite you to that. Let me invite you to that because I I firmly I stand here firmly to say, listen, truth needs no pillars. Um, you know, you shall know the truth and it will set and it will set you free. And I think that's ultimately we're you know we've had a big conversation here. I don't think we've actually overtly said it. We're looking to a person, not a religion. We're looking to a person that that was Jesus saves religion kill. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing that I think has been so frequently lost in all of this. Um, I have no, as a pastor, as a, just as a believer, I, I have, I have zero, um, conviction of calling, you know, that I want to call people to a religion. Like, like that's, that's not, that's not where I'm starting. I want to call them to the, to the person that has changed my life, that's changed all of our mm-hmm. lives, that's made a sig- that's made a significant difference, and then walk it out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just I wish that I mean I think that's probably where my biggest biggest burden on my heart is. I wish that was people. I wish that was the more common experience. Mm-hmm. Right. I wish that's where 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 it all started. Agreed. Um, and, and that's you know it's so interesting. Like my parents when they came out of when they came out of fundamentalism what they were left with was just Jesus. Like that, that was, that was it. Right. And so that's how they always, that's how they'd raised my brother and I, it was like, um, here's the non-negotiable Christ. That that's the, non, that's the non-negotiable. What, what he has done in space, in time, who he, and who he is, all the other stuff have go crazy, have fun, mm-hmm. you know, like ex- yeah. explore all you want. So I, I just think, um, you know, Tyler, that's so much of, that's so much of your story that you were, and honestly that you, you found the, I think the freedom and you've modeled the freedom in doing that. And man, I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared with us. Thanks for hanging yeah. out. That's good. We have one more thing. Oh yes, we do. Now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you've never joined us, the pop quiz is the oh, time no. where we just pepper and I'm, I literally pepper, pepper. Uh, Tyler with questions. <laughs> nothing, I have nothing a whole, sports related, please. Right. I have a whole deck of cards here. That I'm asking from and Joel. I don't know what you're asking from, but I'm, I, yeah, I got, I got you. I'm pulling my list up. I'll go, I'll go ahead and, and start. Thank you. All right, Tyler. Who is your favorite hero of fiction? Yeah. See, you see should, yeah. Tyler's you can't totally prepare. cut off. Grin. Fiction book or movie? Uh, it just is it a doesn't matter. So fiction. either one. Uh, I love Jason Bourne. Oh, Ooh, that's a boy. Yeah, that's a good one. I've often said that Tyler really is. Tyler is kind of my pastoral Jason Bourne. And that's, <laughs> I don't, most people don't hear that often enough. I have amnesia all the time. That's true. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, that's awesome. And I have some killer Kung Fu moves. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You better stretch first. Uh, Tyler, let me ask you, what is your favorite outdoor activity? Ooh. Uh, I know this is maybe cheating a little bit, but I love the barbecue. Like I love mm, the no. pork, 
actually open open fire. I have a stack of uh, cherry wood mm-hmm. uh, out behind my barn, Come and I love to do so, uh, different kinds of meat over the cherry wood. So uh, when are we getting together for yep, a barbecue? Yep, hundred uh, percent. Mm. We get it on, Let's get it on the calendar. Low and slow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler, if you could send a message to the entire world, what would you say in 30 seconds? Oh, gosh. The saddest thing I ever did see was a woodpecker pecking at a plastic tree. <laughs> Friend, he said as he turned to me, things ain't as sweet as they used to be. <laughs> but they actually are pretty sweet. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Shell Silverstein. Gosh, such, oh, man, such a renaissance, man. Uh, Tyler, t- speaking of food, we'll, we'll do this. What is the weirdest food that you've ever eaten? And because you've been places, so I'm just assuming oh, you've, you've, you've ingested some food. stuff. Um, so I was eating this amazing soup in Northern Italy and it had some of the best noodles I've ever had. And uh, towards the end, as the soup started getting cold, it had kind of a funky barnyard taste to it. <laughs> and this guy sitting next to me goes, so are you loving this um, pigskin soup? Oh. And it was this shredded pigskin that looked like noodles. And it was, it was um, something. Best of certain. Wow. Clearly best that, of certain. There was one. also the meal where the main dish was donkey. Oh. And so my, uh, my wife's... <laughs> 82-year-old grandfather, firm believer in Jesus, when he heard the story, he turned to me, so, uh, what you're telling me is you've eaten, yep. yeah, this is a family show. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very awkward. I'm sure. Oh, man. All right, my last question is, uh, what would be your best day ever? Uh, uh, Janessa, if you're listening. Oh, here it comes. I just, we just, we just did it. Today, we went to Castaneda's, a local Goshen Mexican eatery where they make uh, homemade gorditas from scratch, Mm. and uh, they make tortillas from scratch. So if you're listening from Castaneda's, go out on the town, have some of that. And then, uh, what's the the Mexican ice cream place down over there? Oh, Tropicana. Mm-hmm. The Tropicana. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say then a movie or something, but you know, they just really aren't hitting very many good movies lately. Okay. Um, Tyler, what is, uh, can you name for us a contest that you've won in your lifetime? Have you ever won a contest? Yeah, I I won the um, best. uh, Goshen had a competition for salsa (laughs) uh, downtown. And I uh, made some homemade salsa for that. Yeah. And uh, it won. Yeah. So, nice. uh, I was pretty excited about that. Uh, as around, the, around these parts, that's a big swing. Right. Big, big swing. swing. <laughs> uh, you know, white male from central Maine in a town that has some of the best Mexican <laughs> <Right>. restaurants. <laughs> hey. That's a nice, that's a nice flex. I'll yeah, take, dude. I'll take it. Awesome. Tyler, thanks, buddy. Oh it's, man. You, you've successfully passed great. the dudes and dads pop quiz. Way to go. Nice job. Nice yeah, job. Thanks. Thanks for being on. We appreciate you coming on and, and being willing to be open and share with us just a little bit more about Such your, your face and where you've yeah, been. Great to be yeah. here. Guys. Hey, as always, you uh, can send over your comments, uh, thoughts for other shows, all the good stuff over at dudes and dads podcast at gmail.com. It's a nice song you got there. Thank you. Uh, dudes and dads podcast.com. It's got the show 
show notes, all the good stuff over all, there. Everything. And we'd love to have you send us a voicemail, uh, 574-213-8702. Uh, as always, uh, it won't wake us up. We will listen to right. it. And maybe sometimes show it on the show. If it's a good message, we'd like to, right. like to put it on the show. Challenge us. Give, give us a good message. Give us a good message. Call in. Friends, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. We look forward to joining you next time. And until then, we wish you grace and peace. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels.